Welcome everyone. I'm Sue Barber, author, former IT director for a Fortune 500 company, turn executive coach, and this is the Visibility Factor podcast, where we explore how to raise your visibility and play bigger at work and in life. We'll explore key topics and welcome guests that help you shift your thinking about yourself so you can see new possibilities for your leadership. I'm on a mission to create a visibility movement for leaders to show their value and be seen for their true talent. Are you ready to take the next step towards a higher level of visibility for yourself? Let's go. The visibility factor is brought to you in part by the Choose Your Life Challenge. Do you feel like it's too late to do something new? You have a good life and your basic needs are met. You have a place to live, a job that provides enough and friends and family to share it with. But it's all passing by so quickly and it feels like you're running out of time to do the things you wanted to do. Join Danielle McCombs and Christy Allinger, co-hosts of the Opposite of Small Talk podcast in a 30-day interactive experience that helps you to live a more intentional life. Through a combination of live sessions, video coaching, and digital social interaction, you will be guided through a series of ideas to explore your mindset and gain confidence to live the life you want. Sign up today by visiting theoppositeofsmalltalk.com forward slash challenge. Use promo code CHALLENGE4 for a 20% discount. That's theoppositeofsmalltalk.com forward slash challenge and promo code CHALLENGE4. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Visibility Factor podcast. This is Sue Barber, your host. I'm thrilled today to have Randy Hain with me. He is an author and leadership expert, and we are going to have a great conversation today about his new book, Upon Reflection. I am thrilled to have you here, Randy. Welcome to the show. Susan, thanks so much for having me. I'm grateful. I am so thrilled to talk about this. So why don't you introduce yourself to the audience for those who don't know you, and we'll get into some great questions. Well, Susan, as we were chatting a minute ago, I'm based in Atlanta. I'm an executive coach and leadership consultant uh, and a husband and father, which are my more important roles. And uh, I am president of a company called Servium Partners. So I do executive coaching for the Fortune 5000, typically VP to C-level, and uh, do leadership consulting for teams and large groups, and uh, occasionally write books when I have time. (laughs) Well, I know you've written more than one for sure. So uh, I was checking out all the whole list last night when I was preparing for today's conversation. And um, I, I really like your new one. Could you tell the audience a little bit about what the book is about and why you wrote it? Sure. The new book is titled Upon Reflection, Helpful Insights and Timeless Lessons for the Busy Professional. And I wrote this book uh, because I'm in my mid-50s and I'm at a place in my life that uh, I'm reflecting a lot on the past, lessons learned, successes and failures. And I, I wanted to share the benefit, the fruit, I guess, of my reflective exercises and uh, wanted to put that into a book. So I wrote a practical book that's all about me looking backwards to learn those lessons and share the fruit of that with my audience. It's also very practical. There's a lot of business advice in there. And there's also a section about being a good human being, which is very important, especially in this angry and divided age we find ourselves in. I wanted to offer some content that would encourage people uh, to uh, engage in discussion and be positive and kind and treat each other well. So the book's got a little bit of everything. And honestly, Susan, it's the book I wish I'd read when I was 25. 
I wish I'd had this, this advice when I was that young. I think we all feel that way, especially about our own books. Like, gosh, I wish this book would have existed for us when we needed it way back when. I feel the same. So what is the overall message that you think people are taking away from this book? Slow down, reflect, think about what you're doing, and value where you've been more than where you're going. I think there's so much to learn about, uh, you know, what success looks like by recognizing where we've struggled, where we've failed, where we've had challenges. I'm a big believer in the crucible of adversity. And learning from the times when we've struggled helps us be more successful in the future. So I hope it causes everybody just to take a minute, take a breath and think. And since you've read the book, you know, at the end of every chapter, I give the reader a challenge, something to do with the content to help them be more reflective on that particular topic. Yeah, I think in my experience too, uh, and in most of my clients, you know, when they go through something that's more challenging or they may feel like it's a failure, I think you have so many great lessons that come out of that that you would never experience if you just had everything going along perfectly in your life and in your career. You would never know the things that you need to learn to prepare for the next thing that might come up. And that's what I love about spending the time to slow down and, and do that. How long did it take you to write it just out of my own curiosity? You know, I, um, I typically take six to nine months to write a book. Uh, so if I'm focused and I've got time, it goes pretty quickly. Um, some, I've had one book that took me two years. So this, this particular one took about seven and a half, eight months. So the thing that I wanted to call out to you when I read it, which I loved, is that you refer to some things that your mom said to you. And also you used uh, some great metaphors about pulling out dead trees. And I would love to know how that happened for you. Like, did that come to you at the beginning? Like, this is what I'm going to include in the book? Or was it just as you were going through it, you realized, you know what, there's some things in here that I could really share with people about some personal things for me? So that's a great question. Um, I would not describe reflection as sitting on the mountaintop and casting my thoughts to the past. Um, That sounds cool. That sounds really interesting. But for me, it's living in the moment. Like every time I experience something, if something occurs to me, if I hear something that I find interesting, I try to pause and reflect on what I've just heard or seen. So the Dead Trees chapter was something that uh, happened over the course of a week. Well, to be fair, it took years and years to get to that week. We had lived with these massive trees next to our home for 15 years. And every year with every storm, we would watch those trees sway and we kept worrying, is this the year they fall in the house? And after, um, I think, one pretty big storm, my wife and I decided to remove the trees. And uh, we found out that the tree was dying, so we definitely had to get it done. So the, the idea of the chapter was this metaphor If I take the dead trees out of my life, I'm going to feel less stress, less anxious, calmer. And I use that to compare that to what we we face in the business world in our personal lives. When we carry dead trees, we carry baggage around with us. Sometimes we have to remove that in order to improve our, you know, how we feel. So removing dead trees can be getting rid of uh, toxic social media influences, 
or a friend that drains you, a sarcastic voice in your life that's driving you crazy. Whatever the baggage is, the dead tree is, getting rid of it sometimes can immediately change how you feel about life and the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it just shifts your energy oh. from something negative that's bringing you down to something positive that, you know, helps you move forward. Um, totally agree. So I love that you you were talked about the advice from your mom because uh, my mom is very important to me who's no longer here. And I feel like it's something that it just made me think a lot about, like, what had my mom told me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are things that she used to tell me all the time that uh, I have now taken into things that I share with others or my children mm-hmm. or uh, clients along the way. And so I think that was really impactful. I just wanted to share that. And I appreciate you. that. My mother was a, a wonderful woman when she was alive. She passed away about 11 years ago. And you know, the old saying from Mark Twain, <clears throat> when I was a teenager, I thought my parents were the biggest idiots on the planet. And four years later, <laughs> when I graduated from school, I was amazed at how much they learned. Uh, well, mm-hmm. as I got older, I recognized, you know, how wise my parents really were. And uh, the my, first, my last book, which was Essential Wisdom for Leaders of Every Generation and Upon Reflection, both tell a lot of stories uh, from what I learned from my parents because I was smart enough to eventually start to listen to and watch them and emulate what they did. And uh, the School of Wisdom started with Steve and Sandy Hain. Mm. Well, it seems like they were very smart and they raised a good son, right? (laughs) Well, thank you. I I was very blessed to have those parents. So I know you talk about your parents in the book, but also you talk about other impactful people that exist in our lives and our careers and going back to them and letting them know that. How is that something you've always done? You know, it's something that I started doing probably in my 30s where um, I recognized that It was after someone moved away or passed away or maybe was more distant that I began to appreciate the impact they had on my life. And I started to really wrestle with that and try to practice more of an immediacy where when someone did a kindness to me or if they really meant something to me, I try to be more intentional about telling them when I felt that feeling. You know, so, um, you know, my... My, my wife, my children, my, my friends, anyone that did me a kindness or made a difference to me, I've just tried for 20-something years now to practice telling them right away, thank you for doing that. And that's been a, that's been a significant and intentional change in my life. Yeah, I mean, I think that's so, just the intention of doing that, just think about it from the other person's point of view, who may have had no idea of the impact that they had on you or the things that they may have said just in passing, (laughs) never realizing that it made a huge impact on you. I've definitely had people in my past say, you know, I learned this from you and it changed everything for me. And I thought, wow, I, you know, I had no idea, you know, it was just something I was talking to them about in the moment and didn't realize the impact. So I think that is so really cool that you talked about that because I think more people doing that is an important part of Mm-hmm. everyone sharing more about their lives and what it's doing for them. Just the other day, I had an opportunity for probably the second or third time to reach out to a good friend of mine who I credit for teaching me how to accept help. 
about 17 years ago, he pulled me aside and challenged me in a very respectful way that he knew I liked to help others, but that he said I was not very good at receiving help. And I saw him the other day and reminded him of how that conversation taught me how to receive help from others. Happened 17 years ago, and it feels like it happened yesterday. Very impactful. I had a director that did the same thing for me too. Like, Sue, it's okay to ask for help. Hmm. And I think, I don't know, it's part of our generation maybe that we grew up at a place where you work really hard, you solve your own problems, you just, you know, you get things done and figure it out. And I think, I don't know, it was kind of taught to me originally as like it might be seen as a weakness instead of a strength. And so I've definitely been sharing that message to anyone and everyone I talk to. Uh, because I don't want anyone else to get to the point where you and I waited a long time before we learned that message. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that lesson. You know what my friend told me that, if you don't mind me bringing sure. just a, a very small faith element to this, what he told me was, Randy, do you enjoy helping others? And I said, sure, I really enjoy it. And my friend said, you know, when you don't let other people help you, you're denying them the very grace that you receive when you help them. So don't deny them that gift. And that's what got my attention. Wow. Yeah, it goes both ways, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so cool. So I love this one part of this chapter, and I wanted to talk to you about it a little bit more. So one of the suggestions in your chapter is on savoring the moments. And you talk mm-hmm. about FOMO or fear of missing out. And I would love to hear your take on FOMO because I don't feel like I've seen anyone talk about it in the same way. So uh, obviously we know that the uh, the textbook definition of FOMO is fear of missing out on what we don't have. And what I tried to do in the chapter was spin that a little bit and talk about fear about missing moments, fear about missing uh, time with our family, and fear of not you know, having that meaningful time with them or our friends. So I tried to use FOMO differently. Instead of missing the thing that we don't have, fear about missing not spending the time with people that we love and care about. And I just thought that was an interesting way to look at it. And that's how I try to see it. Yeah, because otherwise we're just maybe spending our time in in the wrong places potentially or on things that are not going to matter, you know, in our lives. You always think about, on your deathbed, what are you going to think about, you know, your career and working a million hours or the time you didn't spend with your family or your children or whatever. And I think that's what most people, you know, they want to have no regrets. And so starting to do that now, I think is very impactful. Do you want to be the richest person in the graveyard? Really? I mean, who cares? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. No, doesn't matter at that point. Right. (laughs) I love that. So the other thing that I thought was really interesting about your book is you talk about thoughtfulness, generosity, Mm. and kindness. And I think that is not something that maybe every business professional may think about in in a leadership kind of conversation. So tell me, what was important for you to have those in there? First of all, that's how I was raised. Um, I watched my parents exhibit that thoughtfulness, kindness, and generosity to everybody they knew. You know, I didn't grow up with very much. My parents both worked. Uh, We didn't have two nickels to rub together, but we were happy, and we had love, and we had faith in our home. So my parents exhibited those traits every day. So as I grew up, 
I recognized that I could climb the corporate ladder, I could focus on success alone, but that's a pretty lonely journey. And I recognized that if I um, invested in the people around me, if I cared for the people around me, if I brought people with me on the journey, it was a much more fulfilling and richer um, uh, just path to take. So I've always recognized through my parents' example that that was the right way to live and work. And, you know, 35 years into my professional life, I don't regret a minute of it. That's a great, great story. Just to think about that for yourself and just realize that, but to share some of that with other people, I think is something that the world needs more of right now. We definitely need more kindness and generosity and thoughtfulness. Uh, I don't think it's always something that's everyone's first place to start. (laughs) And Susan, what's really interesting about this is there's a positive ripple effect. So it's not just you and I acting with those three areas in those areas, Mm -hmm. but it's the impact we have on others. And hopefully they will do the same with people in their circle. So you and I could start a movement with all the people we encounter today, and it could have a ripple effect that touches hundreds or thousands. That's to me, the true gift of thoughtfulness, kindness, and generosity. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, do you have a favorite part of this book for you? Savoring the moment was probably my favorite chapter, and that's the very first chapter. And it it came after a vacation with my family this year to the Grand Canyon in Sedona, Arizona. And it was just an incredible trip. I would tell you there are two other chapters that were also my favorites, The last chapter, which is about fostering civility, uh, came as a result of a true story. And I I won't recount it all here, but I had a conversation with another person about a very contentious topic. And we found a way to be very civil and respectful and spent 90 minutes talking about it. And what came out of that, the amazing fruit from that civil discussion was what I wrote about in the chapter. And I give the reader a a recipe for civility. And I think our world needs that right now. We need to be civil. And then I think the other part was the conclusion where um, I was sitting in a cabin on the side of a mountain in North Georgia. And I wrote about a sunrise that was appearing before me And that gave me the uh, inspiration to write the conclusion to the book. And uh, it's a very beautiful moment. And it's it's my favorite piece of writing in the book, that little paragraph in the conclusion. So lots of favorite moments, but those are probably the three chapters that really speak to me. Oh, that's so cool. What part of North Georgia were you in? I'm just curious about that. Blue Ridge Mountains. Okay, that's what I was going to (laughs) guess. Yeah, we were on the side of a mountain looking out over this beautiful vista. The sun was coming up from behind the mountains. And you know how when the sun comes up, if there's any clouds, it makes the clouds look orange and purple? Well, I saw that, and then the sun emerged in its its brilliance. And just that 20 minutes that transpired just gave me all the inspiration I needed to finish the book. It was, it was a wonderful oh, moment. That's so great. Imagine if you'd slept in and missed that. <laughs> My family laughs at me. Every place we travel, I always get up to see the sunrise, and I always want to see the sunset wherever we are. Uh, I'm just a geek about that, but uh, I love it, and I usually get very inspired when I observe it. Yeah, my sister and I usually do that too, especially when we're at the ocean. We like to see Mm -hmm. the sunrise come over the ocean, but yeah. So I love the Blue Ridge Mountains. Uh, My husband actually took me, oh, 
for a weekend away when we live there. And it's just so gorgeous, so quiet. It's beautiful. I couldn't believe how quiet it was there. It's amazing. It's getting a little touristy, but you can still find places to go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. It's still retaining some of the quietness at least. (laughs) So I would love to know, because you have had some really high-level positions in organizations. You're now coaching leaders in organizations. What has been the biggest change that you've seen over time since you were there to now? There's so many things I've observed over the last 25 years, but the the leaders of today are so much more challenged with time management. They're trying to get so much done in a limited window and often losing that battle. So they're taking the, the work they're not getting done, the stress they feel home, and it's affecting their families. So I think time management and prioritization are huge issues. I think the other factor is just this overall anxiety and stress that leaders feel. We've got an economy that's very challenged. We're in a recession. The political landscape is very difficult right now. We feel very divided and polarized right now as a country. So I think leaders are feeling all of that in addition to their business stress. So I think right now it's a difficult time to be an inspirational and hopeful leader. And I spend a lot of time with my leaders trying to help them get to that place. So figuring out what's in, what's keeping them from being a more inspirational and hopeful leader. What are the, what are the things that we can do, uh, behaviors we can change, things we can eliminate from their daily routines? So that's a huge change from, you know, 20, 25 years ago. It used to be, well, we, uh, are we going to make the profit number? Mm-hmm. That's just one of 15 <laughs> problems now, you know. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, their bosses probably still care a lot about that for sure. Yeah. What uh, what advice do you have for people who are really feeling overwhelmed? Because I, I see the same. And I think it's it's just the amount of information I think that everyone has to process too, which is a lot more than we used to deal with, you know. Uh, what advice do you give to people to help them really start to think differently about that? I think one of the first places to start is make sure that your priorities are straight. You know, in my life, and I can only speak for my life, it's faith, family, and work. Now, I work hard. I, I have a company and half of another business. And, you know, we've talked about what I do, but my faith and family come before my work. So I make sure that my day reflects that. You know, I integrate prayer into my day. I make sure I spend time with my family. And I schedule the work around the other more important activities. I don't work evenings and I don't work weekends because I work really hard during the week to be organized and focused on getting things done as efficiently as possible. So um, I think get your priorities straight and don't let unimportant work issues or, or, or things that we think are important that aren't crowd out the more important things like going to your child's baseball game, you know, having dinner with your family, you know, taking the weekend and unwinding, what we're doing is letting work crowd out those things and that's creating more stress and anxiety. So get your priorities straight. I think that's first and foremost what I would advise people to do. Mm-hmm. I love that. There's always more work. So, you, uh, Yeah, that doesn't seem to doesn't go, go away, does it? <laughs> People's to-do lists are, it can be miles long. I'm like, okay, let's just pick a couple things off that list. You can't do right. it all, at least right now. So you've written many books, you've coached many leaders. What do you want to be remembered for? 
I want to be remembered as Sandra's husband and Alex and Ryan's dad. I want to be remembered as someone that always did his best to serve other people and that I was more interested in good work than getting the credit for good work. Mm, Wow, that's beautiful. I hope your family hears that. Or they probably hear it from you already, but I think it's... Oh, they say, that's just dad. (laughs) It's just my dad. It's no big deal. It's just dad. (laughs) Oh, I love it. So we're going to transition into what I call the Rise Up and Be Visible Quick Tips. And these are four questions that uh, really focus on visibility. And I'd love to hear your answers. The first one, visibility is? You know, um, I'm going to give you an interesting answer. The first thing that popped into my head was visibility is authentically seen as serving other people. Authentically seen as serving other people. Um, doing it for the right reasons and trying to help others. But I think if, when I think about visibility, if, I, if I'm going to be seen, I want to be seen doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all about yeah. servant leadership, right? And trying to do the right things. Uh, do you have advice or a tip that you could share with the listeners on what you've done to be visible? So I think about my life um, and, and what I do today. You know, I think you, we mentioned this, that my company is called Servium Partners. Servium is Latin for I will serve. So I think that my mission and purpose is to serve others. And I hope that this mission, which I try to demonstrate through my, uh, my marriage, through my parenting, my community service, and certainly my coaching work, is something that will inspire others to do the same. So if you observe me, I want you to see me serving the people around me, and I want you to be inspired to do the same. Showing up authentically, right? Like you just mentioned. What is the one piece of leadership or career advice that you received that's helped you the most? Wow. Um, Do you have time for a 90-second story? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So my father gave me some invaluable advice 35 years ago. I just graduated from the University of Georgia. Now, my father was with John Deere for 38 years in sales, and we lived in South Georgia. And my dad was really loved by the farmers. It's not that he was um, a great sales guy. He was good, but he was really great at relationships. And he pulled me aside and he said, listen, Randy, you're about to start this new job with a new company. I was about to start a week later. And he said, I want to give you some tips. Are you open to it? And I said, yeah, you know what you're talking about. Tell me, tell me what you're thinking, Dad. So he said, look, when you meet new people in your, in your new company, I want you to try three things. Practice these three things. First, I want you to serve and help everyone you encounter. I want you to be someone that's always volunteering, always try to help, serve the needs of others. Made sense? My mom and dad were servant leaders. Got it. Step one. Step two is he said, I know you like to have the answer to everything before you go into a a situation, but you're not going to know anything about this new business. So I want you to be curious ask a lot of questions. I want you to really be insatiably uh, interested in other people. So he said, ask people if they have advice for you. Ask what it takes to be successful. So um, he said, I want you to go in and just be really focused on asking good questions. That made sense, number two. So the third tip he gave me was very difficult. He said, whenever you meet someone I want you to always have them feeling like 
it was worth their time. He said, I want you to add value. And he said, just whenever you're with someone, make sure that they feel like this was time well spent. Well, when you're 21 years old, it's hard to know how to add value. But the reason that was impactful, I'm 56, so 35 years later, the way that I build trusting relationships with other people is I'm always here to help, I'm always curious, and I always try to add value. And those tips from my dad were invaluable, and I'm so grateful. What a smart guy. He's 84 years old oh, and still with us. that's so amazing. Well, be sure and tell him you shared his advice on podcast today. I don't want to stroke his ego anymore. No, he's, he's a very humble man. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I would imagine that to be true. Yeah. Okay. What books have you read recently that you love and would recommend? Well, um, I have one that I recommend. It's called Coached by Joan of Arc. And it's Lessons in Virtuous Leadership by Alexander Havard. And it's an amazing book, and it's written about coaching advice, and it's written in the first advice from Joan of Arc. So each chapter, she is coaching you on some aspect of virtuous leadership. Now, he has taken the liberty of writing in her voice, but based on what we know about her life, it's very accurate and very powerful. So there's a chapter on magnanimity, a chapter on humility, and each of these these virtues, she challenges you to live them in your own life. I was riveted by the book. I've read it twice now. Wow. Highly recommend it. That's amazing. Coached by Joan of Arc. I have not even heard of so, that one. So I love that. I love it when we get new books uh, as recommendations yeah. so we can add them to the list. Thank you for that. So you're welcome. Are there any other books on the horizon for you? I am writing a new book for young professionals, uh, tentatively titled Accelerator. And it's a book on how to help young professionals, young professionals accelerate their career. I love it. Stay tuned next June or July time. <laughs> okay, frame. well, when you're ready, we'll have to have you back on the show and, and okay. talk about that sure. one. <laughs> okay, love so it. any place that you would like people to reach out to you if they're interested in talking to you about the book or connecting with you? You know, I think the best place to go would be LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn, so follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, reach out and connect. Also, my website is Servium partners.com. You can reach out to me there, learn about uh, what my company does and about my content. I blog a lot. So a lot of my blogs are there as Mm -hmm. well. Well, I will link all that in the show notes so everybody can find it very easily. And it has really been a pleasure just to get to talk to you some more. Uh, We have Georgia in common. We have leadership in common, authorship. So we have a lot of great conversations so far. And I look forward to having even more with you. So thank you for being on the show. My pleasure, Susan. We'll do it again soon. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. Thanks so much for joining today on the Visibility Factor podcast. And we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks so much for listening to the Visibility Factor podcast. Remember that visibility starts with small steps that are intentional and consistent each day. Be bold, be visible, be the leader you were meant to be. Find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on all of our social media platforms, which are highlighted in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Visibility Factor Podcast.